Hello, peoples, and welcome back to another episode of Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. I am your host with the most ghosts, Ryan Siebold, coming at you with another I Got Five on It five minute mini review. Today's film asks the question Are you a barbarian or a barbariant? That's right, we're talking about the film that, as of this recording, is still in movie theaters, Barbarian, from 2022. It's the directorial debut of Zach Krieger, who some of you might remember from the Whitest Kids You Know sketch comedy troupe, and stars Georgina Campbell, Bill Skarsgård, and Justin Long. Google has this summarized as, a young woman discovers the rental home she booked is already occupied by a stranger. Against her better judgment, she decides to spend the night, but soon discovers there's more to fear than just an unexpected house guest. Now, many of the gushing reviews of this film are suggesting that you go into this movie blind, without seeing trailers, without seeing any spoilers. But to really talk about this film, I'm going to have to get into some mild spoilers. So I just wanted to give a disclaimer up front. If you want to go into this movie blind, go ahead and skip past this review for now. Go see this movie in theaters right away, and then come back and let's talk about it. With that said, on with the show. Now, for me, something that really stood out initially is this is a tale of three acts like I've never seen before. There's the initial setup of Tess and Keith, played by Georgina Campbell and Bill Skarsgård, who find themselves double booked in an Airbnb. It's raining outside, the street is spooky, it's a very desolate area outside of Detroit, Michigan. So he invites her in and the whole thing plays out. They do a lot here to toy with the audience as to what the real threat is. This initial setup plays out for a while. Again, I'm going to skip past a lot of major spoilers. And then the film resets completely as we join the character of AJ, played by Justin Long, in a convertible sports car driving down the California coastline. We follow his character through most of the second act until he joins Georgina Campbell's character as we left her in the first act. They come together, and then the film resets entirely all over again to reveal the whole backstory of the initial homeowner of the Airbnb, and it kind of like fills in a lot of the gaps plot-wise and gets us back to present day where the whole conclusion lays out in its gory finale. It was a bit of an odd experience to jump back and forth like that. Director Krieger was quoted as saying the structure of the script kept this from being made for two years, but felt it's what made the film feel special. And I tend to agree. In today's horror marketplace, it's got to be a challenge to bring the audience something new and original. And this was exactly that. The breakup of the acts like that gave me as the audience a bit of a release and pressure and a break from the suspense. And it let the story play out in a fairly unique way without huge exposition dumps, which I actually really appreciated. With the exception of some scenes shot in downtown Detroit, the entirety of this film was shot in Bulgaria, which for a first-time director had to be a little intimidating. It's my understanding that the director and the DP were the only American crew on set. Everyone else was from that backlot or from that studio hired by the line producer. Now, they originally planned to shoot this on a backlot at a pretty famous studio there in Bulgaria, but then opted to build the entire set on a local farm. So all the scenes you see shot on the street, the desolated uh, suburban Detroit, that was all built from scratch on a farm which is also why the climax happens on a silo. Again, no major spoilers, but that silo pre-existed on the farm and they literally just built the town around it. All the tunnels and basement scenes also were all built in Bulgaria as sets. So they dug those tunnels and built that staircase and all of the stuff that happens downstairs, all that craziness, that was all the soundstage in Bulgaria. Pretty much everything in this film was created for this film, shot over five weeks, which is fairly impressive for a first-time director to have to deal with that in a foreign country. Good on him. Now, there were a few things from the crew list that really stood out to me. First is the cinematography, done by a guy named Zach Cooperstein. 
Zach shot a black and white film a few years ago called The Eyes of My Mother that got some nominations at the Independent Spirit Awards, among some other things. I really want to go see this film. I actually watched a trailer for it. It looks pretty impressive. But yeah, the cinematography for this film was bonkers. Cooperstein said his inspiration was to be Fincher upstairs and Raimi downstairs. This is reflected in the camera movement, action pieces, etc. This whole film was shot on a Sony Venice for its low-light capabilities, which allowed the tunnel scenes downstairs to not be lit except for flashlights. He said they tested lighting those tunnels and it just didn't look right. So the whole thing is done downstairs with just the flashlights that are held by Georgina Campbell and Justin Long's characters as they progress through these horrifying tunnels of nightmare fuel. Now, what he means by that is Fincher upstairs is all shot very methodical. It's done like a whodunit. The suspense builds up there. That's where the tension happens. You're never quite sure who the bad guy is or what's going on. It's all very disorienting. And then downstairs is Rainy. So that's where the bonker shit happens. Those are fast camera movements, fast edits, and that's where we could release the tension and let the madness happen, which is fantastic stuff. One of the other crew members that stood out to me is the music composition done by a woman named Anna Drubik. Drubik has previously scored scary stories to tell in the dark and a couple of the Fear Street installments from Netflix, which I have not yet seen and I want to get to. I've heard pretty good things about them. I'm disappointed I can't find this score online yet. I hope it does get a release because I want to go back and listen. I remember the music being something that I really, really loved to build the tension and the suspense of this film. That's a horror staple, right? If you watch any of the scariest movies you could imagine, mute them. They immediately lose a lot of their tension. The music does a lot to drive that. But yeah, this is something I definitely noticed as I was watching the film is that I was also listening to the film. Also, glad to see a woman crushing in a male-dominated field of music composition. You think of John Williams, Hans Zimmer, Danny Elfman, Howard Shore, Michael Giacchino, on and on and on. It is a male-dominated field. I challenge you to think of a major woman music composer that's doing mainstream cinema today, and this woman's got the number one movie in the box office. So good on her. I'll be following her career, and I hope she goes places. Now, speaking of women, one thing that stood out to me is that this is a film from the woman's gaze. Director Krieger is quoted as saying that he started the script exploring subtle red flags for women that men don't have to consider. The way the film opens with Skarsgård's character inviting Campbell's character into the home that they're double booked in and providing awkward acts of kindness like helping her with her luggage, telling her she has a pretty name, offering to make her tea, then splitting wine with her, etc., etc. There are this whole list of actions that if it were two men playing out in this scene, I would say that it wouldn't really be as tense, but because it's told from the woman's point of view, most of the movie does stay with Georgina Campbell's character. She is our protagonist throughout the film, and I think Krieger did a bang-up job of telling this from the woman's point of view. This all plays out throughout the first act, keeping the viewer disoriented as to what the real threat is, if it's Skarsgård or something else entirely, and it keeps our test character on her back foot. So you as the viewer are never really sure where the threat's coming from or what to be scared of until they do the reveal of Frank and give the backstory of the house and the neighborhood and what's really going on here. Now, I really love this film, but if I was hard-pressed to list a couple of things I didn't like, some of the comedy beats mostly provided by Justin Long's character, AJ, though they were a welcome relief from the tension and suspense and gave you a little bit of a breather, but sometimes they felt a little out of place. The film was never funny enough to be a horror comedy, like Cabin in the Woods maybe would be a good example, or Drag Me to Hell. Some of the sillier, schlockier moments just kind of felt like, as much as I loved them, they were just a little out of place, and we never really leaned enough into that. Especially seeing as how Krieger has a comedy background, I would have liked to have seen a little more of that maybe injected into the script. Another thing might be the lack of horror, or maybe a lack of payoff. This was a suspense film through and through. Now, it does reveal a lot. It does give you a payoff. But I was just kind of hoping for a little more gore, maybe? 
Ah, I hate to use that. But yeah, I just wish there was more horror and less suspense. There are moments, specifically when you're in the tunnels downstairs, where I'm pulling the brim of my hat down over my eyes, waiting for the worst. And then the worst wasn't quite as bad as I thought. The movie tended to pull its punches just a little bit. But in the good column is everything else. I love the suspense. The music and cinematography built all that up wonderfully. The performances and acting were just phenomenal. And lastly, in the good column, I'll say something that we mentioned quite a bit on this show, and that's the pacing of this film, which is delivered in spades by editor Joe Murphy, which I believe to be one of the only other Western cinema crew members. Joe Murphy crushed it. This movie sits at an hour and 47 minutes, which for a movie of this caliber is the perfect amount of time for me. My three adjectives are nail-biter. For all the reasons I said, I love the suspense of this film. This was a suspense horror. Suspense first. It kept me on the edge of my seat throughout. I was disoriented. I never really knew what was going on until they wanted me to. Loved it. The second one is almost. I felt like this was almost a perfect film. Maybe I'm holding this movie to too high of a standard. I heard nothing but amazing things. Everyone was gushing about it. It's like you're watching a perfect football game with this tremendous comeback. And it's in the fourth quarter and you march all the way down the field. And then the kicker misses the field goal. It was so close to perfect. But the other side of the compliment sandwich is this is solid bones. The structure of this film was great, man. I mean, you can't really complain too much. I'm being fussy because this is a film discussion podcast, but I'm hard pressed to find too much wrong with this. This was a really fun movie to watch. I've read a ton of reviews from critics who love this movie, but I want to hear what you think. Call us at 818-483-6285 at the Esoterica hotline. Leave us a voicemail. Let us know if you've seen this movie and what you thought about it. I'm rating this one a bub B plus. Well, that's it for me. Tune in next week for another episode of Esoscarica Cinema.